This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hi there, Dr. Jen Lincoln here. I can't come to the phone right now, but we'll likely have an opening later on. Please leave me a message and I'll be at your cervix. I mean, <laughs> service in no time. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Let's Talk About Down There podcast. I'm your host, board-certified OBGYN, Dr. Jennifer Lincoln. And it's summertime. My kids are out of school, and this question could not have come in at a more perfect time. It's all about how do we manage our periods in the summer, especially if we're doing things like going into the great outdoors, which I bet a lot of you are this summer. So let's answer it. Let's have a listen. Let's celebrate summer and figure out how we can manage our periods accordingly. Let's have a listen. My name is Anya, and I have a question for the podcast. How do I deal with periods in the summertime, getting in the way of vacations and going camping and swimming and stuff like that? Are there products that you recommend or ways that I can get rid of my period altogether? Thank you. Anya, thank you so much for this question. And again, like I said, perfect timing last day that my kids are in school and this comes through and I just thought, this is it. Summer is here, the solstice or the whatever. And we should be thinking about our menstrual cycles, right? We should be prepared in all seasons. And I think that, you know, your questions are valid in terms of you feel like your periods are getting in the way when you want to go away or camping or swimming. And we just don't know what we can do or how is it going to limit our activities? And is there stuff that we can do to make it better? And you specifically asked about getting rid of your periods altogether. And we are going to talk all about that and then some. So let's jump right in. So I want to talk first about just a good reminder of general hygiene. And I'm not here to say feminine hygiene, like what the feminine hygiene aisle tries to convince you that you need to do in order to like maintain your vagina and vulva, because I can't stand that aisle. You know, if you're a longtime listener or consumer of my content, you know that I, I hate that aisle because in its core, when it says feminine hygiene, it makes it sound like at our basis, we are dirty and we need all these products. And you know, Summer's Eve, Vagisil, all the things, all the douches, all the washes, they really have no place in society, I should say, in, in good society. But my point here is that there are some basic things when it comes to our health that we should be kind of, you know, always paying attention to, but the summer is an extra important time just because it's hotter and there's more likely that we're going to sweat and it just can predispose us to some infections. And especially if you're somebody who, you know, you get infections regularly or you have some recurrent ones or you've struggled with that in the past, the summertime can be a bit more difficult. So let's just talk about down there and vaginal vulvar health in the warmer weather when, yeah, we tend to sweat more. Isn't there that saying, what was it? Horses sweat, men perspire and women glow. So if you're glowing between your legs, which, you know, sounds radioactive, here's some tips on how to manage it. I think the number one thing for all year, but especially in the summer and the warmer months, cotton underwear. So this is because using cotton underwear rather than synthetic fibers, cotton is way more breathable. So it's less likely to trap that heat. It's less likely to make that an even, you know, sweatier, stickier environment. So allowing the area to breathe is super important. I have heard some people say that even white cotton underwear is the best choice because it has fewer dyes. I feel like before I relegate everybody to walking around in white cotton underwear, it sounds very Puritan. And hey, you do you if that's what you want, totally fine. But it's one of those things where I don't know if we have a ton of data to support that. But if you are really sensitive and predisposed to that, it's definitely something worth trying. 
The other thing that you can do too is if you're using liners, it's time to get rid of them. And I used to be a liner girl too. And so you might use a liner because you've got some vaginal discharge or you're leaking some urine. And I'm talking about liners for like period product liners. And the reason I actually say to get rid of them is because they can actually be making your discharge worse. And I know it seems weird, like chicken or the egg or catch 22 or however other like random sayings I can say there. But the point is, is that what happens is that your discharge collects on that liner. It's not really that absorbent. And now it's being held up against your skin and it can become more a breeding ground for bacteria, which can then lead to, you guessed it, more discharge. And so then you have to wear liners for longer and the cycle continues and the, the spiral gets worse. So what I recommend instead, if you notice that you have some discharge, and we all do, and if you have questions about vaginal discharge, is yours normal or not, you know how to get the questions to me. I think that's a fantastic topic we could cover on the podcast. But if you notice that you have discharge, rather than putting a liner there, go ahead and change your underwear more frequently. So if you, you know, know that you're going to be out and about, or even if you're at work, I know it, it might seem weird to like carry an extra pair of underwear, but there's no shame in that game. And it can actually help break that cycle of using liners. The next thing, I mean, this is all year long, but for sure in the summer, if you notice that you're struggling with infections or irritation, is to get rid of the vaginal vulva washes. So nothing with fragrances should ever be near the vulva. And all those products that claim to be vulvar feminine hygiene products, you don't need any of that stuff. That's a whole other topic for another day, but the bottom line is, is that these can really cause issues with the sensitive vulvar skin, especially in the hot, humid weather. It can make it even worse. And when you're doing things like swimming and exercising or you're out and about and you're walking and you notice that you're sweaty, just like when you work out, you want to change out of those clothes. So if you need to change your underwear, you might even need to change your shorts, go ahead and do it. Again, no shame in that game. So that means if you're traveling, you're going to want to pack a few extra pairs of underwear, what have you, and it's just good. And are you like me that on normal days, you never change your underwear, but then when you pack for, you know, let's say a four day trip, you're like, well, I might shit my pants. So I better put in like six or eight underwear. And I just find it hilarious. I always feel this impulse to pack so much underwear and yet I'm not routinely, you know, having accidents in my pants. I don't know. It's like a, maybe it's like a coping mechanism. I don't know. But for this particular purpose, if you're having issues with discharge or it's in the summer, you may want to consider packing a few extra a few extra pairs of underwear. And if you are noticing any sort of urinary or fecal incontinence, please get in touch with your OBGYN. You can also consider going commando at night. Now, not when you're on your period. I mean, some people do that and they free bleed, but we're not going to talk about that today. But going commando and letting the vulvar area breathe. So just like with other areas that might be irritated, like if you've got, you know, issues in your feet or other rashes, like you want to let things breathe. So same kind of thing. And then lastly, I'll say a great tip for the summertime, but really for always, is to really try and avoid self-treatment of infections. I know it is so tempting. And yeah, I'll admit I've done it too, to just get the monostat or just try to order something or a supplement and, you know, like the boric acid, which seems to, you know, when if you look on social media, people say that it cures everything. And the bottom line is, is that we are notoriously bad at self-diagnosing ourselves. That's all comers. Um, now, if you're somebody who you get recurrent infections, you've had a long workup, you've been diagnosed, like formally diagnosed, and you're pretty confident that you're knowing what's going on, you know, that's a separate thing. But my point is, is that I know it can be really tempting to do that, especially if you're on vacation and you don't have access to your doctor. I'm not here to say that this is a must thing. And if you do this, you're totally ruining your vagina. But 
just know that self-diagnosis, especially if it's the first time you have an infection and you're not sure, it's very easy to misdiagnose bacterial vaginosis as a yeast infection or vice versa, or to miss something like a sexually transmitted infection. So if I can put a plug in for not self-treating, this is the moment. So let's now pivot and dive into some specific scenarios that my caller asked about. So the first part I'm going to address is swimming. So what's up with your period getting in the way of swimming? What can you do? And the good news is, is that if you're on your period, it doesn't mean you have to stay hidden inside and you can't, can't go in the pool, can't go in the ocean. You absolutely can. So products that you can use and that work really well in the pool and any other body of water would be tampons. I feel like that's the one most of us think of is what we use. It's pretty traditional product. It is not true that your period stops in the water. I, I it just, your body doesn't go, oh, I'm in water. I'm going to shut down. But so that's why, you know, I've heard some people say, well, maybe it just stops flowing when you're in the water. And that's not true. So you do need a product. So tampons, they also make period bathing suits. So very similar to period underwear. These are bathing suits that are meant to absorb the blood flow. I'm going to be very honest here. I don't have any personal experience with this. I also don't know anybody who has used these, but from the reviews that I've seen online, they sound like they work pretty well. I think me personally, if I was on a really heavy day of my period, I'm not so sure if I feel like I could trust it, but I absolutely would defer to others who have used it. It's also a cool option if, let's say, you're using a tampon and you're worried that you might leak around it, you could also wear a period bathing suit. And I think that sounds pretty cool. And lastly, menstrual cups. You can absolutely use a menstrual cup or a menstrual disc and swim with them. We're going to go into a little bit more about what these cups are like. But before we do that, I want to pause and do a quick gyno do you know quiz question where I'm going to ask the question now and then we're going to answer it later in the podcast. So true or false, does period blood attract sharks? And hopefully you're not listening to this during Shark Week on the Discovery Channel, which I think is sometime in July. <laughs> but we will answer that later in the podcast. So back to menstrual cups and menstrual discs. If you have not heard of these before, I'm going to give you a quick rundown on what they are. These are products that you insert into the vagina and they kind of are what they sound like. So they're either in a disc shape or they're more in like a little, like a cup shape. I'm trying to explain it. It's really hard when you can't see me. I'm used to showing these things in a YouTube video or a TikTok, but a lot of people know what these look like now and they can have different shapes. They might have a little stem that hangs down. That's what you use to remove it. The discs are more shallow and so they sit in a different place in the vagina. The vast majority of these are reusable, but there are some disposable discs. And a lot of the reason that people use menstrual cups is because they're a more environmentally friendly option because you can reuse them. The cool thing about these is that you only have to change them out every 12 hours. So they can be really cool for the next scenario, camping, which I'll get to in just a moment here. But you can absolutely use them too if you're going to be at the beach. You don't know if there's bathroom facilities or how long you're going to be there. So it can be a really nice option. I will say a quick caveat with menstrual cups and menstrual discs if you have an IUD in place. And for most people who continue to have a period where they need a period product, that means the copper or the Paragard IUD, because the hormonal ones, the ones that have progesterone in it, so like, or progestins in it. So, you know, I'm talking about the Marina, Liletta, Kylina, Skyla. The awesome things about those particular IUDs is that you either don't have a period at all, or it's very light, so you don't really need a product. But for people who have the copper IUD in place and still get their period and want to use a menstrual cup or a menstrual disc, note that there are some concerns about the disc or the cup causing 
the IUD to expel or come out at a higher rate. And we don't quite know if it's because of the suction that the cup has or if it's accidentally grabbing the string when removing it. So I think it's really important to discuss that with your healthcare provider. But it's definitely a caveat that I would say to people because we do know that there's a higher rate that that IUD could come out. So just a little food for thought there. Menstrual cups and menstrual discs, they are not that hard to use once you've practiced a little bit. And so I would not recommend that the first time you plan on using a menstrual cup is when you're on vacation somewhere and you're on the first day of your heavy period because it can be a bit tricky to know exactly which cup might work best for your anatomy in terms of preventing leaks and what feels good and doesn't feel uncomfortable. So I would recommend if you're thinking that's something you might want because you're going to go camping in a couple months or you're going to be going on vacation and you don't want to have to pack a ton of pads or tampons, it can be great to practice. And you can practice at the tail end of your period when you don't have as much blood coming out. So that way, if there's any leaks, you don't have to worry about it so much or you can try it at home or you can also have period underwear or something like that underneath in case you do leak. So kind of a quick, you know, quick and dirty diving into menstrual cups and menstrual discs. But the next scenario I want to talk about, I'll get into a bit more, and that's camping, which I think is a fantastic question because if you're like me, I'm in Oregon and I love camping. I didn't grow up camping. It like wasn't in my blood, just wasn't how I grew up. I grew up in New York, but I've come to love camping, but I'm kind of a camping diva in that I need to camp somewhere where there's a bathroom and I'm not talking about a porta potty. I'm not talking about like a hole in the ground. Like I need, I need running water. So unfortunately that means that I don't do, you know, a ton of camping trips out in the woods or backcountry camping where you might not be around anywhere that has facilities or electricity or plumbing for a couple days. Good news. I don't have to worry about this. Bad news is that it means I don't get to go on a whole bunch of, you know, really beautiful remote sites, but that's for like my own issues, not yours. <laughs> so let's talk about if you're camping and you've got no bathroom access or it's very limited and you know you're going to have your period, it's really important to plan ahead. And the overarching theme that you need to keep in mind is that good campers have, you know, abide by the leave no trace principles, which means that whatever you pack in, you pack out. So you have to plan ahead. So this is where if you have a menstrual cup, this can be a great form because you don't have to put a bunch of products that are in your pack that you potentially have to carry and could add weight. So you've just got one cup or maybe two if you're switching them out while you're cleaning them. And so it's important if you've got a reusable cup that when it comes time to change your cup or empty it out, that you've got things on hand to make sure your hands are clean. So hand sanitizer or biodegradable soap, or you can even use gloves. And in terms of when it comes time to changing out and removing the cup and emptying the blood that's in it, you want to treat it the same way as you would treat other human waste. So you, you dig your little hole and you dump it in there and you bury it. And that's considered, you know, acceptable. In terms of cleaning the cup, when we're talking about regular cup use, like, you know, at home with plumbing, what we recommend is that you boil or sanitize the cup after every cycle. But in between, so while you're using it for however many days, three days, four days, five days, it's okay to clean it out, rinse it off, use soap and water, and the same kind of gentle soap that I recommend for cleaning the vulvar area. So I'm talking about like Cetaphil and CeraVe, you know, those kinds of things, unscented. Also, companies often that make menstrual cups will also make wipes that you can use to clean. So they'll be very gentle cleansers that you can use as well. So when it comes to cleaning your cup, when you're out in the great outdoors, it's a really great idea to already have some wipes ready to go. 
Now remember, you're going to have to pack these wipes out as well. So you want to make sure you've got clean bags and you've got a wet bag that you can put the dirty wipes in, you know, those kinds of things. And then if you want to, when you make your camp and you've got your fire going and whatnot, you can boil them every night if you felt like you needed to just because you don't have the same level of hygiene when you're out there. It's really important because we don't want to mess around and you accidentally get a really bad infection. Now, if you don't use a cup or you're not comfortable with it and you're still going camping and you don't have bathroom access, yeah, you can bring tampons, but you do also need to make sure that you've got a bag that you can pack them out. You can't leave them out there. It's not okay for the environment. Same thing if you were to use pads. You could also consider using menstrual underwear, especially if your flow is a bit lighter, because then you could just wear one pair of underwear each day. And then you would put that in a wet bag and pack them back out. So that can be really great if your flow isn't too heavy. And I want to reassure you that your blood will not attract bears. Bears care about your food. So I want you to know that you don't have to worry about that attracting any sort of animals. That's a a question I've seen out there and kind of ties into our gyno did you know question, but we'll get to that in just a little bit here. But yeah, make sure you follow all the other things about how to appropriately pack your food and hide your food. So let's now talk about vacations in general because that's also a part of what this question was about. And the good news is, is that periods don't have to spoil the fun or, you know, the fun of a vacation or even the fun of vacation sex. So let's talk about vacation sex or just sex in general when it comes to being on your period. It's totally safe. You can absolutely do it. You can have sex when you're on your period. You shouldn't feel that you have to, but if you're comfortable with it, you absolutely can. And there's actually some pros, some really good points about having sex when on your period. So number one, you usually don't need any lube because that blood can act as a lube. Number two, it actually decreases cramps because the hormones like oxytocin and the good feel-good hormones that are released when you have an orgasm can actually help decrease the cramping and the pain that could be associated with your periods, which I think is super cool. And orgasming, what happens when you orgasm is your uterus contracts, which could actually lead to the expelling of some of your period blood and could help your period end a little bit sooner. I'm not sure how airtight that theory is. It makes sense in my mind, but that's kind of cool. And you may be wondering, okay, you want me to have sex now in a hotel where of course the sheets are white and you're telling me it's okay on my period. How am I going to do this and not make a huge mess? I hear you. This is where shower sex is where it's at. So absolutely. You can have sex in the shower. You can also put a towel down. And if you're worried because you're in a hotel and you're putting a towel down and you're bleeding, I hear you. I think you could plan ahead and you could bring your own towel or you could bring those little chucks pads. You might've seen them if you've ever given birth before, if you've had a pet, basically think of it as it's got a liner in the back and it's got an absorbent pad. And so you could have sex on that and then you wouldn't have to worry about it staining or ruining the hotel linens. You could also do something where you wear a special kind of underwear that are like latex underwear that basically act as dental dams, but you wear them. They're made by a company called Laurel's. I'm not sponsored by them, but they're cool. Think of them as a wearable dental dam. And so if you want to have sex, this isn't for penetrative sex. This is really for oral sex. But if you want to have that level of intimacy and you feel a little self-conscious about maybe bleeding or getting anything on the, you know, on the bedspread or whatever, you could wear those and you could have fun with other things. So you can also have a lot of fun without having vaginal penetrative sex. So I don't want you to think that vacation plus period equals sad time, abstinence, no sex. It doesn't have to be that way.
So we're going to move on now to, if you're like, cool, 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 Jen, like I hear you, but please tell me how I can like delay or skip my period because I know I'm going on vacation a month. This is really awesome, but I just don't want to have to worry about it. I got you. So a couple different ways to do this. So the first way is if you are on birth control, like the birth control pill, the birth control patch or the birth control ring. Awesome. You can absolutely skip your period instead of having that sugar pill week with the pill or having that week where you don't wear your patch or you remove your ring, just keep going, just keep trucking, use it for a continuous cycle. Now, is there a chance that you might have some breakthrough bleeding and spotting? Yes, but this tends to happen more frequently over time if you're doing it longer and longer. And so if this is the first time you're doing it, you probably won't see anything. I remember I was so proud of myself when I was in college and I was on the birth control pill. And this is going to make me sound so old, but like the internet wasn't where it is today. <laughs> there was no TikTok, you know, there just wasn't that. And I didn't have a ton of information at my fingertips about birth control. And I knew I was going on vacation and I just didn't want to get my period because I didn't have to deal with it. And I just thought, well, it seems to make sense. I should just continue my pack. And I did and it worked. And I was like, look at me figuring my things out. So maybe that was like the roots of me becoming an OBGYN. But you might say, that's cool, Dr. Jen, but I'm not on birth control. And, you know, I've got my vacations coming up in a week, like, and my periods due in a week, like, what am I going to do? And this is where something somewhat similar to birth control, but a little bit different can come in. And these are called neurothindrone acetate pills. So these are a form of progesterone only, and that is the hormone that helps to stabilize the lining of the uterus. So when you get a period or when you have that placebo week and you stop taking your pills or your body naturally, that progesterone level drops. If you're not on birth control, it's that withdrawal of progesterone that causes the uterine lining to break down and then you have a period. So think of it as you take these pills and it tells your uterine lining to like keep it shit together and not break down. And... There's a few different dosing regimens. We usually talk about taking five milligram pills three times a day, a few days before when you expect your period to be due. Think of this like a short-term solution. This is not something that you should rely on for birth control, especially if you're doing it when it's really close to when your period is because you could have already released an egg and ovulated. So don't want to use it for that. And it's not really a great long-term solution because it can be associated with some side effects. And if you're wanting to not get your period long-term, there's better ways to do it, like methods that I talked about just before. There are some side effects with taking this dosage of a progestin. So you might notice some bloating, some breast tenderness, some fluid retention, but you have to decide, you know, what is more important to you, not having a period or potentially having some side effects. So important to think about that. If you are further out from your vacation, you've got a bit more lead time and let's say, you know, you just finished a period or you've got a cycle or two, well, then you could start on birth control and then you could start doing one of those continuous methods that we talked about um, or even other methods like the depot shot or the implant or things like that. Those are more likely to work. The unfortunate thing is that both of these require a prescription. So it's not like you can just go into the pharmacy and get it off the, you know, over the counter and, and use it, which don't get me started. That's also a topic for another day. But the good news is you don't always have to do it in person. There's lots of mail order pharmacies and things like that where you can get them online. So food for thought and things to think about if you are planning a vacation. Now, things that I don't recommend to delay or skip your period would be drinking lemon juice, cinnamon, apple cider vinegar, certain kinds of teas. There's all sorts of things that you'll see on social media. And these are not evidence-based and it doesn't make sense to me if we've got good things that do work and you really want to be sure you don't have your period, let's do those. So. That actually brings me to this week's clitorally segment, where we clitorally and literally talk about the things that make me go, hmm, I clitorally don't know if I can take that. 
This is a TikTok, which is about what can you do to make your period end more quickly? So it started and let's say you've got vacation in two days and you're like, I want to get it all out. Like, how do I do that? So let's have a listen to what this person said about how she made her period end more quickly. On my last video, I mentioned having a hack where I speed up my period and I knew people would ask what it is. So I'm going to tell you, but just a disclaimer, I'm not like a health professional or anything. So I would definitely do research or talk with your doctor about if this is safe or not. So I'm leaving for Cali in a couple days and I just got my period yesterday. So here's what I do. Around the time when I know my period's going to come, I start drinking loads and loads of water. I start taking iron because I'm anemic. So if I don't have enough iron in my body, my period's not, it's pretty slow because my body's trying to, you know, conserve the iron. And then I take loads and loads of vitamin C. And I don't take it in pills. I like usually drink like pineapple juice, orange juice, or vitamin water. Um, but what the vitamin C does is it helps the lining of your uterine break down faster. But here's a quick disclaimer. My period symptoms in general aren't that bad because I'm really healthy. But when I do this method, my cramps are so bad. I will literally sit on the toilet and just cry and bleed for two days. But after those two days, my period's done. I just have some light spotting. Okay, so I do love that she gave a disclaimer that she's not a healthcare provider. That did not make me go, literally, are you kidding me? But what did is the rest of the advice. So drinking more water, I've seen this on a lot of social media accounts where they say drinking more water somehow ends your period more quickly. And it doesn't. Your period is your period. Your uterine lining has already happened. Like the thickness of it, that has happened during this previous cycle. And that blood needs to work its way out. And no amount of drinking water is going to somehow change what that urine lining is like. Let's talk about the iron. She said she's anemic. I hope that she's getting that checked out because if she's anemic because of heavy periods, that's something she doesn't have to deal with. So taking iron is cool, but how much you have in your body is not going to affect the flow rate of your period. It's not like your body says, okay, cool. My iron stores are higher. So now we can bleed more. I wish that our bodies could do that because I definitely have cared for patients who have very low iron levels. And then they come in and they have their babies and they bleed like stink. And there's no way that their body was like, you know what, we're going to not bleed because we're going to protect you. I wish it worked like that, but it just, it doesn't work that way. And then vitamin C. So vitamin C is not going to change the length of your period. I've also heard this as a way to trigger your period. So drinking orange juice or eating citrus fruits, and there's no data to support that the amount of vitamin C you get in your body is going to somehow shorten your period. And this could also lead to, especially people who like drink lemon juice, that's not really good for your teeth long-term. Or if you're chugging tons of orange juice during this time, that's a lot of sugar. So it's just not really based in any evidence. So I do love the disclaimer. I feel so bad for her that she's got these horrible cramps for two days. That sounds terrible, especially when you're trying to get your life together to go pack for, for a trip. So I'm going to say, literally, let's, let's not do this. And if you've got really heavy periods, you know, check in with a healthcare provider. If you know you've got a vacation coming up, trying to plan a little bit ahead of time, such as taking those norethindrone acetate pills would, would be a better answer. And let's get back now to our gyno, do you know, question that we had, true or false, does period blood attract sharks? And for the answer, we are going to listen to another TikTok and see what this person had to say about what they did. Ever wondered if sharks are attracted to your period? Well, today I'm testing it. So I woke up on my period this morning, realized I forgot tampons and they don't sell them here. But I'm a marine biologist and thought, hey, 
time for an experiment. So I hopped on the dive boat and boom, there's a shark, a few sharks actually. So we suited up, checked our dive gear, had a quick safety briefing and jumped into the blue. And hey, look what's above me, a beautiful tiger shark. And a couple here next to me too. So the tigers are naturally quite curious and you can see them coming up to my friend here. And they also came to check me out too. Though they make quite a few passes, as you can see, they always turn away at the very last second, maintaining eye contact and generally just checking me out. It's super important to be responsible and read their behavior in the water, but as you can see here, my period was of absolutely zero interest to them. So that concludes today's experiment. So the answer is false. Period blood does not attract sharks. And I do love how she talked about that. I don't think that this is a scientific study. I don't think getting into the ocean and swimming around with sharks, which is what she did on this TikTok, definitively proves her point. It just happens to also be true. And also that would end so bad if one of the sharks had eaten her. And, and anyway, so I, I just don't think we should be swimming with sharks, but good for her for doing that. But no, period blood does not attract sharks. I know that this is like common lore that we hear, you know, sharks get a bad rap. They attack humans actually very infrequently. And I don't want you to think that you have to stay out of the ocean, or, you know, if you happen to be in Cabo or somewhere really nice on vacation, you've got your period because you're worried that Jaws is going to come after you. It's just statistically very, 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 very unlikely at all, including with your period. So before I wrap this up, I do want to say that summertime is a great time to also take stock of what's just going on in your body. So as we've talked about all of these things, I just want you to keep in the back of your mind that there are some warning signs that you should talk with your healthcare provider. So if your periods are heavy, if you're bleeding for more than seven days, if you're having less than 21 days, so three weeks between each period, that's too much. If you're having to change your pad every one to two hours or your period products every one to two hours, or if your period is causing debilitating pain, terrible mood swings, terrible depression, anxiety, all of these things, I want you to know it's not supposed to be like that. And I feel like we think that we're just supposed to suck it up. Periods are supposed to hurt. You're just supposed to miss work and school. You're supposed to have to cancel your vacation or you're the one person left behind in the hotel room when everyone else is doing fun stuff. And that is not the case. So summertime is a great time to take stock, know that you don't have to let your periods stop your social life. Yes, you can go camping. Yes, you can go swimming. Yes, you can go on that vacation. But we have some tips and tricks to make it more comfortable. So I hope that was helpful. I hope that I answered all those questions. And if you can think of anything else, let me know. And maybe you can let me know how to get over camping where there's no um, plumbing because I just, I feel like feel like that's, I'm not sure if I'm ever going to get there, but if I ever have to have a period, now I know what to do. So until next time, my friends, stay safe and have a fantastic summer. Okay. It's that time where I ask you to rate, review, and follow on your favorite podcast app, because we know that's how we get more people talking. So call in at 503-893-2016 and join me online at Dr. Jennifer Lincoln. So let's keep the conversation going. My friends call in, leave a question and know that it's okay to have questions about your body and we're going to answer them.